invite you to join me uh, as we look together in the book of Philippians chapter number 2. We're going to pick up where we've left off and uh, in verse number 14 is where we're going to be picking up. And what an incredible thing to consider. You know, in, in the secular world, if we consider all that the secular world says, it says not only do the results justify the means, but the results are the sole goal. That's the only thing that matters. Uh, but as we want to do the will of God, we're instructed to do it in a way that honors God. A right spirit is essential to the work of God. And you know, I just want to invite you to come close as we can examine this and we try to examine our hearts this evening in regard to all that we're going through as a church and all that uh, we're experiencing as a nation and as a world. I think this is especially important that we view this together because this, is, this truth is especially important in important times and things when things are difficult because I remind you that as we look at uh, verses 14, 15, and 16 tonight, Paul was not uh, in a place where things were easy. Instead, the things in Philippi were very difficult. If you were to rewind and go back to Acts chapter number 16, and you could see exactly what had happened. As Paul entered into Philippi, you would see that uh, he had begun as in his usual way of sharing the Gospels, and, and as he was going about doing that process, we realized that uh, he was plagued by a woman who was possessed with the devil. And as the, through that possession, uh, she just uh, would not leave him alone, but constantly hounded him. And so he cast the devil out from this woman, and, and as a result of that, her, uh, those who had mastery over her uh, uh, created an uproar in the city of Philippi. And as a result, Paul was cast into prison, him and Silas. And, and so he and Paulus were found in prison that night, and and, and in, the Bible says about midnight, they were singing and praising, uh, praising the Lord. As a matter of fact, I want you to look there before uh, we go to Acts, or Philippians 2. So look at Acts 16 and verse number 25, because I want you to see that, that uh, things in their life weren't easy, but they didn't succumb to the desire to complain about their situation. It says in Acts chapter 16 and verse 25, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. You know, in a time when they should have been complaining, in a time when they should have been grumbling, in a time where we would have justified their murmurings and disputings, as the Bible puts it, uh, they chose instead to, to, uh, to sing praises to God. Now these, uh, Paul and Silas were human, just like me and you, uh, but they chose to have a right spirit in the midst of difficult circumstances. You see, tonight I want to see that God places a priority on having a right spirit. You know, it's not just enough to do right, but we must also have a right spirit about what we're doing and how we serve the Lord together. And so, as a church, as we look here, I want you to see that it was in the darkest hour that we can pr uh, produce the brightest light. And the Philippian jailer was saved in this dark hour. And the Philippian jailer's home and, and all that were there, they also believed on Jesus Christ and were saved. And so, we see this great thing that's, that's flown out of uh, just a dark circumstance. And truly, we would say, well, this is a dark circumstance in our life and in our nation's history and in our world history. But I'm just reminded that God's called us to have a right kind of spirit through all of this. And so, Christian, let me just uh, invite you to come close, get in the Word of God, Philippians chapter 2, verses 14, 15, and 16. Let's read these three verses together tonight. He says, Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, 
that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And so let us pray together. Father, thank you once again for this, our time. Lord, thank you for the word of God. May you just uh, develop in us a desire to have a right spirit. And Lord, uh, for those maybe who have found themselves complaining and grumbling lately, may we uh, be willing to come to a place of repentance and be willing to say, Lord, help me to shine as lights in this world. We thank you for your blessings. Thank you for uh, just this great text of Scripture and this great reminder uh, that you have set out in your providence and your guidance. And we just give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look here, we see Paul begins to give instruction here for the church uh, to have a right kind of spirit. And so before I get into points 1, 2, and 3, I just want to take a look at some of the words that he used here. And so if you will look here, he says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. The word translated do uh, means to act out or to execute. It's a command to do all things without murmurings and disputing. So God literally is commanding you. It's not an option thing. It's not an option for you or for me, but instead it's a direct command from the Lord to us tonight. And so we see that uh, it's in the imperative mood, which means that God intends for this to be done, just as uh, if a, a master were to tell a slave to get something done. We're told to do all things without murmurings and disputings or without complaining. And so as we look here, we, let's look at the word murmurings so we understand what this is. Uh, murmuring means a muttering, a whispering, a secret debate, a secret displeasure, and not openly avowed. It means talking behind the back. And so we see that oftentimes we, we can be guilty of murmuring. Uh, you know, the boss did something that we didn't necessarily like, uh, you know, and we just grumble and complain because of uh, the way that they handle the situation. Or, or maybe we're grumbling and complaining over the bureaucracy that we see going on in Washington. Or maybe we grumble and complain that we're not able to have church and all those things. We, those are mum, murmurings, and God uh, warns us against those. The second word, uh, or actually the third word that we want to point out is the word disputings. It is translated from the, uh, from the Greek word diagolesimos, which means a, a, de a deliberating, a questioning about what is true, a hesitation, a doubting, or a disputing. It carries a sense of being quick to argue with others, in, including leadership. And so, really, I want to just encourage us as a church, as we look at Philippians 2.14 tonight, uh, that God has called us to something uh, far greater than, than just going along with the crowd or following the trend of those around us because God's called us to have a right spirit in all that we're doing, in all that we say, in the way that we communicate and interact with one another. And so just as Paul was encouraging this church, he was telling them that there should be a priority in that right spirit. So tonight we receive the same encouragement, that same uh, gentle rebuke if we need it, uh, because living with the right spirit produces three results that I want to share with you this evening. The first one is your testimony is affected. Think about your personal testimony. Uh, you know, I remember as a kid that oftentimes we would hear preachers talking about having a good testimony and having a right testimony. And I remember oftentimes as a, as a young man hearing these preachers come to our church and preaching about keeping a good testimony. And, and I, I just remember Philippians 5, as, as uh, Paul warns, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 5, as Paul, Paul warns there about abstain from even the appearance of evil. And then there's other places where God teaches us the importance of having the right kind of testimony. And this is, the, this is one of the byproducts of having the right kind of spirit here. When we have the right kind of spirit, when we're able to uh, essentially uh, 
have the kind of spirit that God would want for us to, we're going to see a byproduct is a testimony that glorifies the name of Christ. Oftentimes today, we, we don't hear of keep your testimony pure. Instead, what we hear is things like enjoy the liberty of Christ. And I want to, I want to agree with that. Yes, enjoy the liberty that God's given us through Christ. But at the same time, we also must also remember that God's called us not to cause offense. And God's not called us to, to be a stumbling block for the brethren, but instead to be able to come along beside and to have a good testimony so that others may want Christ. Let's look at a couple of words here. He says, it says in verse number 14, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. And this is the purpose, that ye may be blameless. You see, here in this first, in this, uh, first point, we see that our testimony needs to be blameless. What's your testimony like? The word blameless means deserving no censure, free from defect. Uh, it, it doesn't indicate sinless perfection, but instead it means no accusations of misconduct. Some have defined this as having no handles uh, that others can hold on to and carry uh, untruth about you. Uh, if we examine Christ's life, if you will, this is uh, what we call Holy Week, and uh, we celebrate the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as we, we think about Jesus, and we think about all that He's done, and we, we go back to His life, Never once was ever a handle, never once was there ever a place where his spirit was wrong. His spirit was always right. Even when he cast the money changers out of the temple, he was done so in a right spirit, and it was done so according to God's will. Uh, but we think about Christ's testimony, even as he stood before Pilate, uh, Pilate who obviously had the ability to let him go or to have him, uh, have him crucified, and Pilate three times said, I find no fault in this man. Three times he willingly said, there's nothing in his life that I can bring accusation against. What a powerful testimony that Christ carried, even, listen, even when he was falsely accused, even when he was detained, even when he was beaten, even when he was spit upon, never once did he have a testimony that was uh, anything but blameless. Look at... uh, Paul wrote to the young minister Timothy that there should be a priority in his testimony. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2 in verses 24 through 25, Paul writes this at the end of his life, but he says this, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And so we see that that Paul is stressing a certain kind of testimony with, with Timothy, a certain kind of lifestyle with him. And it's, it's the testimony that represents the servanthood of Christ. And remember, I want to point, back to, point to this truth that as we look at uh, uh, Philippians 2.14, you can go back in the text and you can see that, that the context of this is that if there be any com- uh, consolation in Christ, if there any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill you, my joy, that you be like-minded. Who were to be like-minded with? Not just believers, but also Jesus Christ, who took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And so we see here that God has called us to have this blameless testimony, but not just blameless. He also says in verse 14 that we should be harmless. The word harmless means an unmixed, without a mixture of evil, or free from guile. I want you to think with me about uh, medals for a moment. Uh, I, I wear a wedding band to represent the fact that I'm happily married, and, I'm, uh, and I display to the world uh, the joy that I have in, in my relationship with my wife. 
uh, and you know, it's uh, whenever they make uh, get gold, all, oftentimes it's mixed with other things, quartz or uh, other metals, and they have to purify that gold, and they heat up the gold to get all the, the, the particles out that don't belong, and then they can skim the top of the gold after it's been heated and, and rake all that off. That's, that's a purification process. Pure metal mixed with any kind of alloy is representative of uh, what happens when people begin to uh, have a, a testimony that's anything but harmless. Uh, because it brings with it a weakening. It brings with it a, um, an injuring, if you will. Uh, for example, Paul gave a, an admonition to the church just prior to this in Philippians 1.10, where he really, it's a similar admonition, and he's really stressing this point with the church because it is imperative that we see this. In Philippians 1.10, he says, that you may uh, approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. He says, listen, it's important that you recognize that your role in, in, in being a testimony is that you might be harmless. Christ said, that if anyone, in, in Matthew 18, if anyone were to even uh, cause offense to a, a little child, it would be better for that person to get a millstone, a giant rock, and tie it around their neck and be cast in the midst of the sea. You see, God places a great emphasis on making sure that our testimony is right. Not just blameless, where no one can bring accusation, but also harmless in that it's not going to injure those around us. It's not going to injure others' uh, others' faith. And so I want to encourage you that in your uh, freedom in Christ, that you also recognize that God's called us to balance that uh, with the reality that God says, watch your testimony. And when we have a right spirit, guess what the byproduct is? A good testimony. And so it's a great thing. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse 12 says this, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. Listen, the Christian's conduct and character must be blameless. It must be harmless. It should be obviously pure and beyond uh, the reach of legitimate criticism. He says this, the sons of God without rebuke. No one can bring an accusation because your testimony is pure. So, if we see this, I want to let me just take this a minute and make this personal if I can. Because in where we live right now, and the time that we're living in, and the struggles that we're all enduring, uh, it is easy to grumble and complain. I want, to be, I want to be able to have live church, not live stream. I want to be able to say, welcome to Hillside Baptist Church, and you be all together physically. That's my heart's desire. And, and as we look at this, it's easy to begin to grumble and complain. Well, why don't they just allow us Easter Sunday? And I can't believe that they've, they're doing this. And it's easy to become uh, caught up in that spirit. But listen, let me remind you that God has called us to have a right spirit. It's not just the end result, but it's also the here and now that we recognize that God is watching wants us to have a good, right spirit. Have you posted complaints on Facebook? Have you posted some murmurings? Have you shared your frustration uh, publicly about someone or something going on? The reality is that when our spirit is right, it's going to shine in the world. And that's what we want. That's why, why Paul is writing this. Remember, he said even in chapter 1 that it, even, no matter how difficult it was that the, the brethren were being to him, he still desired that the gospel would go forward. 
And this is the, the, the same thing here. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless as sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So God's called us that, uh, that our, we might have a powerful witness. Now, what is your witness like? Do you remember that person that led you to Christ? I remember I was a child. I, I just remember the day that I put my faith in Christ and how precious that day is in my memory. And, and just as I have the opportunity to relive it, I, I just can't help but thank the Lord for those who were a powerful witness in my life. The first one was my father and my mother. Uh, these two set an example of taking me to church every time the doors were open. These two set an example of serving Christ. These two set an example of helping me memorize Bible verses. These two helped me learn how to sing uh, joyful hymns to the Lord. But then there was another person who was a powerful witness, uh, uh, really a family, and that was a Webster family. And, and as I consider the Webster family, I, my pastor, Gary Webster, was a tremendous witness uh, to me in my young little life and influencing me to come to Christ at a young age. Man, what a, what a great and powerful thing that we can be in the lives of others. We can be a powerful witness to others. I want you to see that God's called us to be a witness of the light. Uh, no doubt... We live in a dark world. Perverse, the word perverse is translated from the Greek word, word uh, diastrapho, which means to distort, to turn aside from the right path, to pervert or to corrupt. The Philippians lived in a very dark and fallen, perverse and crooked world. There was no doubt about it. They worshipped false deities. Uh, they uh, were obviously cruel to, to both uh, Silas and to Paul. Uh, obviously, in their life, they... Uh, they knew what it was to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ physically. They knew what it was like to, to uh, suffer. Listen, today Christians are suffering at a rate uh, greater than ever before in recorded history. And I'm not talking about what we're going through with the coronavirus right now. But what I'm talking about is groups like the Boko Haram in Nigeria that are uh, taking and executing our dear brethren just because they're Christians. Uh, those groups in Iran and Iraq that are doing their very best to, uh, to eliminate Christians, those in India uh, who are going around and, and murdering Christians just because of their faith. I'm, I'm, I'm just sharing with you today that, that Paul experienced some of the same things, and we're experiencing the same things. And so, uh, so we're both in this situation that we live in a perverse world, a dark, fallen world. May I say that you can't move away from these problems? There is no sort of utopia uh, where you can retreat to. Uh, there's no place that you can escape problems because sin is everywhere. If you're there, you're a sinner, and therefore you're going to have problems. The, the answer is not escaping. The answer is learning to have the right spirit in the midst of a crooked and fallen world. And remember that even in a fallen world, God has called us to be a shining light. Man, what a glorious thing to think that God says that we can be the light. But listen, Jesus is the light that the world needs. Exclamation point. He is the light. He's what we need. And so when we listen to the words of Malachi, we, we hear what he said about the coming Christ. In Malachi 4.2 from the Old Testament, says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Listen, it's going to be a great, he said, it's going to be wonderful when, when the Son of Righteousness comes and there shall be healing. Then when Christ came, he pointed to the reality that he was here in this world and he was the light 
of the world. John chapter 9, in verses 4 and 5, we read these words from Jesus. He says, I must work the works of Him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. The phrase in our text of Philippians uh, 2 says, You shine as lights in the world. This light is a metaphor comparing how we are to be the light in a darkened world when Jesus is not present. Listen, you're, you're the Jesus that your neighbors are looking at right now. You're the opportunity that they have to be able to, uh, to rejoice in what God is doing. And so I remind you what Jesus said as he, uh, in Matthew chapter 5 and verses 14 through 16. He says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do man light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light show shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, the reality is, is that uh, we are the, the ones that Christ has left to be lights in this world. Matthew Henry said this as I was reading today. When God raises up a good man in any place, He sets up a light in that place. Let me just say that again. When God, when, when God raises up a good man in any place, He sets up a light in that place. We are His lights in the world. We get to hold forth the light. What is your life like? Maybe your life on the outside has gotten dingy and dim. Uh, my old pickup truck, I... I the lights are kind of dim on it, and I, I, you know, I, I know they need to be cleaned up. Or maybe your car's got a few eight years on it as well, and, and your uh, lenses have clouded over, and you notice at night it's not as bright as it used to be. Is your light like that? Is your Christian character like that? Is your testimony a powerful witness, or has it become dimmed because of misuse? God's called us to say here, in verse number uh, 16, in the verse, first part of 16, he says, holding forth the word of life. Listen, God's called us to continue to be a witness of the world. He says, we show the light of Christ by the word of God. Holding forth the word of life is talking about the word of God. We get to continue to hold forth the word. We get to, to live it. We may be the only Bible that people get to read. We get to not only live it, but we get to preach it. We get to proclaim it. We get to share it. We get to love it. We get to read it. I'm telling you what, God's Word is a powerful weapon in the hands of someone who's a devoted follower. What about you? Have you let it change your life? The phrase holding forth is translated uh, to mean to stretch out or to hold out for others to see. This is speaking more about being faithful to the truth. May, may God help us to continue to be faithful to preach and teach the truth of God's Word. Not preach man's opinion or some magazine, but preach God's Word plainly, cleanly, purely, because it is what this world needs now more than ever. So that includes sharing the gospel. It includes sharing God's truth with others. Many times we have opportunity when we don't even don't even have a Bible on us to share and speak truth with those around us. This is what God's talking about. Holding forth the Word of life. Holding it forth, holding it up, lifting it up. It speaks of being that candlestick that a candle would rest on and holding it high in the, in the air so that others can see. So that all those in the house would be able to see. God's called us to continue, especially in the darkness, to hold forth the light. You see, this is why God made, priority out of, uh, made a priority of, our, of having a right spirit. 
See, it's important that our spirit is right with Him. It's important that our spirit is right with others. It's vital that we take time to be Christ to the world today. Will you make? Will you choose to make your spirit a priority? Maybe you've let it slide because you're, you've been uncomfortable. Maybe the circumstances have called you, caused your spirit to lose its ability to be a powerful witness. Now is an opportunity to say, Lord, forgive me. Now is a great moment to say, God, I want to make sure that from going forward here on out, that my life is a powerful witness and a testimony of what you have done. And so I want to just share with you one last part out of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 16, because we see that there is a pastoral hope. There's a hope that, um, that, we're sh- that we get to be shared uh, that that were shared here as well. And Paul shares in verse number 16, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Past, Paul's pastoral heart shines out in the book of Philippians. It's, it's, he's concerned for their well-being. He's concerned for their spiritual growth. He's looking forward even to the, the judgment seat of Christ when he's going to see not just his life, but their life manifested before the Lord. And they're going to be rewarded for their faithful service. What a tremendous thing it's going to be when we get to be there in heaven and, and we give an account for the things in our life. And, you know, and he's saying as a, as, with a pastoral's heart, that when he gives an account for the, the people of Philippi, it's going to be a joyful thing. In verse 16, he says, I, The sons of God, oh, excuse me, sorry, wrong verse, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. He says, don't, don't suffer from a bad spirit. Don't suffer with a weak testimony. Don't suffer with a, uh, just a weak witness. He said, he said instead, let it, be, let it transform your life. Because there's great hope in that. And here's the, here's the hope that we have. We have hope in the rejoicing in the race. Remember, we're in this race together. Uh, and Paul reminds them and points that, them to that truth. And this is a recurring thing for Paul. Uh, as he was sitting in the prison cells, as he was uh, there under uh, arrest, we see that he had this recurring theme and that anticipation and the expectation that, uh, that Christ, he would stand before the Lord very soon. And this is what he wrote later in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, he said, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing toward that mark. I'm going to stay focused on that. That's, that's where my focus is. I want to stay focused on the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to stay focused on seeing those rewards. And so just as he was focused, he wanted to encourage the Philippians to do the same thing. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 7 and 8, he talks to Timothy. And at the end of his life, he says this, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, judge shall, uh, shall give me at that day. And this is what I want you to see. And not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Paul, at the end of his life, knew that he'd run his race. He knew he'd been faithful. There was no question or doubt in his life. Uh, and this is what he said, it's not available just for me, but for all believers. Are you being faithful? Are you continuing to hold forth the word of light? Is your, is your spirit right with the Lord? And we see that uh, even in this moment, part of the joy that he would experience on that day of judgment is going to be uh, how the believers at Philippi would do in their service for the Lord. 
he, he's looking forward and say, listen, I'm not the only one that's going to receive this, but all those who also are running their race with joy. And so he says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20. It says, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our joy or glory and joy. You see, he said, listen, you're part of what I have to rejoice over. Uh, believer, we have a lot to rejoice over. And friend, as, as you go through life and you go through struggles, let me just remind you, just like that, that song did a few minutes ago, I've been blessed. I've been blessed beyond all measure. We've been, we've been blessed so greatly and richly by God. I just want to remind you to take time to have a right spirit and take time to praise God and, and, and to glorify the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The temptation is to murmur. The temptation is to uh, bring disputings or grumblings and complainings. And, and instead, Paul is saying, listen, have that right spirit. Continue to hold forth the light. Continue to be a powerful witness. Continue to be a good testimony because we know that our eternity is coming. Let me ask you this. Who have you led to Christ? This is what, what Paul was saying. Listen, you who we've led to the Lord, you're our glory. You're our joy at that day. What about who will be in heaven because you took time to share Christ? Who have you helped in their spiritual walk? See, now is the opportunity that God has given us to consider what is really important in life. We have many people are experiencing an unusual amount of extra free time right now. What a great time to take and to write out exactly what God wants for your life. I promise that I've never been at the graveside of someone who said, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. I, I wish that I had bought another house. Or I wish that, uh, you know, I could have been away from my family more. But oftentimes what people will say with tears in their eyes, I wish I could have done more for the Lord. I wish I could have spent more time with my family. Because when we're facing the end of life, and that's why Paul points to this, keep focused on this. Because when we're facing and we have that end of life, and we have that uh, realization that that is coming, we have a strong desire to keep the, what really matters the most important. I want you to see one final thing here tonight. Because in his pastoral hope, there was not only rejoicing in the race, but there was rejoicing in the labor. Think about all that we've, that we've done together. I'm going to confess something to you. I'm a tinkerer. I love to tinker. I've got a workbench, uh, and I, I, I'll, my wife or my kids will find something broken and they'll put it on my workbench and I'll go out there with my tools and I'll try to manipulate it and fix it and work on it. Last night we were gazing at the stars and looking at the moon uh, and, and we got the telescope out and we're looking at the big beautiful moon that we had last night and we're just enjoying a little bit of time together and, and as we did so uh, we discovered that the bracket that held our telescope on was broken. And so Asa was disappointed, and, and he showed it to me. He says, Dad, it's broken, and I don't know what, how we're going to fix it. And he showed it to me, and I'm, I'm saying, well, we can drill a couple of holes here and put some pins in it and epoxy it all together. And, and, we can, and, and then I got to looking a little closer, and I said, a camera stand will work. We can make this work without it. And throw those parts away, and we're good to go. You know, I love to tinker. I love to work on things. I, I, I enjoy working. I enjoy labor. But, you know, all the tinkering in the world doesn't mean anything in eternity. All, those, all, all the labor that we do outside of the labor that we do for Jesus Christ uh, that's, uh, is, 
in eternity not going to mean as, as much as we think it does here on earth. Paul was saying, use your labor for the Lord. Paul was saying, take this time and what remains of it, remain faithful to God and knowing that God will use it greatly. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58 as he, he teaches here about that moment. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Notice that last phrase there. He says, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Listen, our labor can be in vain in lots of things, and that's what uh, Solomon learned in his life. And as he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he said, Vanity of vanity, all is vanity, saith the preacher. He said, Listen, I've lived my life for all these pursuits, and I've worked all I can, and I've amassed all I could, but here's the reality, is all those things were vanity. But this is what Paul says, When I work and our labor's in the Lord, it's never in vain. We're reaping eternal rewards. One day, we will give an account. One day, I'll get to stand before God. And what really matters on that day won't be my bank account. What really matters on that day won't be these worldly possessions, but only those things that I labored for in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9-10 through 10 says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Are you ready for that day? You see, God's called us right now, and he has uh, ordained for you and me to live at this very moment. Uh, when we would go through a worldwide pandemic, and I was talking to a man today he, uh, as I was out, and I spoke with this gentleman uh, and he said, you know, I've lived through multiple ones of these in my lifetime. He says, I'm not worried. And, and I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, we don't have to worry about the pandemic, but we do have to be concerned about Jesus Christ. Are you ready to meet him face to face? Paul was pointing toward all of this. From verse 14 to verse 16, he says, listen, there's a day coming. Are you prepared? And this is why having a right spirit is such a priority as a believer. I urge you, make sure that your, your spirit is right. Make sure that you're ready to shine your light into this world. Make sure that you're ready to, to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. So if you're a Christian tonight, I urge you to begin to have a right spirit now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Maybe you've had a rough night. Maybe you argued with your wife or your children, or maybe you argued with uh, your neighbor or something of that nature. Maybe you, you posted something just a few minutes before uh, service started on Facebook, and it was a, a grumbling or complaining. It was a, a murmuring or disputing. Let me just encourage you, as we end our time together tonight, maybe right now, as soon as we're done, you take a moment and pray and ask God's forgiveness. You take this time and say, God, I've held on to these things for too long. I, I, I've been grumbling, I've been complaining, I've, I've just allowed these things to get in, in the way of my testimony. I've allowed these things to uh, hinder my witness for Christ, and, and I know that it's hindered my ability to be effective and to see those rewards in eternity. Maybe that, if that's you tonight, I encourage you, maybe you go back to those posts on Facebook, or you go back to that person that you spoke with, and just offer an apology and say, I've, I messed up. 
I realize tonight that God doesn't want me to grumble and complain. He doesn't want me to have this kind of spirit. But God's called me to be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And so I call upon you tonight to get those things right with the Lord first and foremost and then with those you've caused to stumble. I urge you to be a witness. Take some time. As soon as this is over, maybe share this with those around you. Share this message. Share uh, the message of, of redemption from Sunday morning with uh, some of your friends on Facebook. Maybe you want to take and uh, share our Easter uh, invite with, with those in your neighborhood or some friends and say, hey, would you watch church with me on Sunday? Well, can, would you be there with me and we can interact together at church? And I know it's not the same. And, and you know, we want so badly to make it different, but we're trusting God through this time and we're going to have a good spirit that God has called us to this. And God has said, listen, this is where we're at right now. And we're going to just follow me and trust me. Can you do that tonight? Maybe you're not a Christian. The most important thing you can do is to see that people who are believers, and maybe you've watched people before and what they've said and what they've done hasn't always lined up, and you felt that all Christians were hypocrites. Let me just say, you know what? The reality is we're all just sinners. You know, as a, uh, as a believer, I'll be the first to tell you that just because I got saved didn't mean I became perfect. It didn't mean that I magically suddenly woke up and all my sin was gone. What it meant was my sin's been covered under the blood. And tonight that can be, uh, that's made available for you as well. Would you like to experience the, the forgiveness that God offers? Look past the offenses of the past, I urge you, and, and to see that God offers for you hope for tomorrow. And He offers you hope through His resurrection in Jesus Christ. And, and, and so I just ask you that you would come and put your faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, the reality is, is that no one else, no other religion, no other way offers you hope. Only Jesus. Acts 4.12 says, For neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name uh, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So my question for you today is, will you be saved? If you'd like to be saved today, I want to invite you would you call? We've got, I've got someone right now on the phone that'd be ready to answer your questions and walk you through it and, and just show with you from the Bible how that you can be saved. Maybe, maybe you, you're watching this later. You can still call the number. Just leave your name and phone number on the answer machine. Or maybe you want to text us, 815-4686, and say, listen, I want to I just make sure that uh, I have things settled for the Lord in eternity. Christian, what a great opportunity we have to be a light in darkness. Would you pray with me? As uh, I've got a couple of quick things as we finish out, so please don't turn off and don't keep scrolling. We're going to pray. I've got two an uh, urgent prayer need to share with you as soon as uh, as soon as I get done praying. Father, thank you for your goodness and thank you for your mercy tonight. Thank you that we can come before you today, Lord, recognizing that you've called us to have uh, place our priority in having a right spirit and having a, a right testimony with those around us. And so I urgently call upon uh, uh, upon you tonight and ask that you would work in, in believers' lives, that, Lord, we would put away the disputings, the murmurings, the complainings, the grumblings. Lord, we would put on the cloak of Christ who never once complained about the situation where he was at. Lord, never once did he say, I, I, you know, I can't believe you would ask me to do this. But instead, 
he said, not my will, but thine be done. And so, Father, as we uh, look at our perfect example, may we also follow in his footsteps during this time and be willing to sing praise and say, isn't God good? I'm so blessed. And Lord, we just thank you because that's the reality. Father, I pray for those that may be lost without Jesus today. Maybe over the years someone has been uh, toward them with the wrong kind of spirit and it's caused them to believe that all Christians are hypocrites. God, I pray that you would allow them to forgive those offenses of the past and to put their faith in Jesus Christ and truly be saved today. We turn to you now, Lord, and thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for joining us for our Bible study tonight.